They charge a torso and live here Drip tears down on the concrete jungle Where socks still slouch and the sauce is bumping Good afternoon and welcome to Insert Name Here Your weekly rundown of what the hell just went down here in D.C. And why it matters to normal people like you And not just your cousin that yells about things on Facebook I'm Scott Remley, Democratic strategist with the firm Vaccaro Blue and totally bitchin' racquetball player. I'm Ian Taranji, and I really suck at racquetball, so yeah. But you are good at the law. I, they tell me that I'm pretty good at the law. I am an immigration attorney with the law firm of Rodriguez and Sanabria out in PG County. Um, give us a call for all of your immigration needs. And uh, also, come at one love massive as a uh, from an artist perspective. I am uh, with the collective band, the Lucky So and Sos, um, and yeah, we're that's gonna me. we're gonna be your guides through this as we uh, take you through what the hell just happened here. Ian, talk to us a little bit about uh, what is this thing? Why did you drag me here? Well, yeah, that's a great question. What is this thing? So. I see this as a politics, current affairs podcast um, that we'll get to discuss what's going on in the world. Uh, You know, I want to try to discuss political issues and be able to drill down on some policy, be able to actually drop some knowledge, but hopefully entertain as well. Yeah, you know, I've found that so many people in this town seem to be of either the cover your eyes, stay away from it, which admittedly is my approach if I can, or the, um, you know, I like to get so down in the weeds and use really big words so I can show how smart I am. And that's just not useful to regular people. We have far more important things going on today. For example, Howard University commencement today. Way to go, kids. It's always important. And uh, so congratulations to all the uh, Howard University kids that graduated today. Nice work. Congrats to Howard. The bison. Home of the fighting bison. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We love Howard University. We're here in Shaw in beautiful district of Columbia and uh, just right down the street from Howard University. So, yeah, congrats to all those guys. Uh, way to go. Way to go. All right, Ian, let's go. It's Friday, May 12th. What the fuck just happened? It's almost like you've 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 given us a title for a a a segment. One might. You know, it, you know, it's interesting. I have actually an app on my phone and it's a segment namer. Uh, net right um it's it's also excellent uh, it does a really good cheese fries recipe right but yeah we call this segment what in the fuck and so our what in the fuck this week james comey director of the federal bureau of investigation investigating among many many other things russia's involvement in the 2016 uh american elections um, he's been fired by the president in a mostly unprecedented move. FBI directors just don't get fired. There's a great tradition of the Bureau, really the law enforcement arm, be it DOJ, uh, Justice Department, um, and FBI, of having independence from partisanship, from partisan politics, which is important because we see what happens when partisanship seeps into investigations. Then you have the Republican Congress 
who are doing nothing. Has the FBI ever been, has the director of the FBI ever been fired before in a situation like this, sort of under questionable circumstances? It has happened once in the history of the Bureau. Once. Um, and that was William Sessions was fired by Bill Clinton. I'm guessing this was like 93, 94. Um, and that was really, there were some serious ethical questions about his spending money on government, using government resources and right for personal, personal gain. So he was, he was fired by President Clinton after President Clinton sought his resignation. To me, this Comey firing, it feels very much like, uh, the situation that we had in, the early 70s with Watergate and Archibald Cox. Yep. He was a special prosecutor investigating Watergate and he got fired by Nixon. Um, and it created at the time the closest thing to a constitutional crisis we've had since the Civil War. Um, I remember, you know, my I, I, I was born in D.C. And, and my mom actually worked on the Hill. She was working on the Hill during this time um, when all these when all the hearings were going on and you know, the difference between then and now, one, you had much more consolidated media. You basically had the three networks and the New York Times and the Washington Post and AP. And the three networks, you mean ABC, NBC, CBS. Oh, yes. Sorry. I guess right. I was assuming people knew no, what no, those no. were. But, um, so you had like a very consolidated media landscape and you didn't have... Land, uh, uh, you know, media arms that were specifically intended to to discredit and and you know, just just. No, I'm I'm with you. On yeah, that. the uh, the thing that's so striking too, you know, the parallels and it could not be more obvious. You know, person charged with nonpartisan responsibility of investigation in which president is a clearly going to emerge as a key player. Get shit canned by one said president, you, you know. It's banana republic shit. I mean, I, not and not the it's store. remarkable. Not the cool chinos. Like. No, not not you know not the not the cargo pants, which 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 are tasteful, but I understand almost exclusively the purview of terrible white men. Um, <laughs> so you know, I mean, sounds it, like you speak from experience. I do. You know, it, it is remarkable though. Comey's firing came seventy two hours after he went to the White House. I think figuratively, not literally, but went to them and said, we're going to need more money and we're going to need more people to keep probing this Russia thing. Something there. <laughs> it's real. And the president's response is to go, well, you know, that's interesting, Jim. And also you're fired. Like, well, I mean, it's just, it's disappointing. And, and, you know, I, I can't tell if, you know, Trump, now they're looking at replacements and you look at the, the, the decision process that Trump went through, one of the criticisms that he apparently had that has leaked out because that's what the uh, USS Trump does. It leaks like a sieve um, is that he felt like Comey was insufficiently loyal. You know, let's be clear. Number one, uh, Mr. President, you're in the position to feel that Jim Comey is insufficiently loyal to you because Jim Comey cost Hillary Clinton the election. When you looked at the tracking numbers, there's that. You know, you know, when you look at the polling, what was happening was there was a group of people that were swing voters at the end that hated both candidates. And after the debates, up until the Comey letter, those people that hated both candidates were moving towards Hillary Clinton. And Comey drops his letter in late October, and they all flip back to Trump, and that's the ballgame. Yep. So he does seem to have been somewhat loyal to you. 
But to say like, that to me, by the way, that's 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 a fireable offense. I think like I, I I'm yeah. actually I'm actually sort of of the mind that Comey deserves to be fired. No, Comey, by Barack Obama the day after the election. Right. Comey was a bad FBI director and he needed to go because he clearly just I don't has, know if he was a bad FBI director. He fucked up that. Yeah, he bungled. But he and, and that's a longstanding principle of the FBI is like you don't mess with elections. Yeah. You can't do that. Right, right, right. You know, and it but 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 this whole Comey thing, like what I what I what I really, really enjoyed this week, because I love the Schadenfreude so much, uh, was the hot takery that yes. we got from conservative land that, oh, you libs, you snowflakes, you wanted this guy fired, and now that Trump did it, now all of a sudden you're up in arms as though you can't be walking and chewing gum at the same time, as though you can't feel like Comey really fucked up and it and it swung an election, um, and that's fireable. And by the same token, a man who's being investigated fires the investigator and that is uh as a general matter no it's it's frowned upon yeah you might say frowned upon in this establishment and it's 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 remarkable so so you know now what you know what what's going to happen now so and this is fun because i actually i i i was listening to um on the intercepted podcast uh glenn greenwald was talking and he was saying you know democrats uh, they're just going crazy about about this this firing, assuming that it had to do with the Russia investigation. You know, Trump no, is Trump is like it, <laughs> I know. Well, Trump, he's like he's like he's like Trump is is um, you know, he would be stupid for doing that because there are so many other people within the bureau who already know what Comey knew, and so you're not going to squelch the investigation just by firing Jim Comey. And I think that that's a specious argument. One, because Glenn Greenwald has a very obvious, like, pro-WikiLeaks bias and has a huge blind spot. But the other, the, other, the other problem with that is he's only thinking in one step. The second step is that Donald Trump is going to appoint the new head of the FBI. And who to will, me— Who will spike the investigation. Who will spike the investigation. And if you don't think that an FBI director can, can divert agents, can divert resources, can divert money— from an investigation and just say, hey, this is, you know, these are administrative decisions on allocation of resources. Believe me, he can do it and they can slow walk this investigation for the remainder of the Trump presidency, however long that is. That's absolutely true. One of my favorite things that came out of this, did you see the uh, the uh, the Instagram war uh, the day after they fired Comey between the United States and Russia? The United States, uh, the White House uh, Instagram feed featured photos of the vice president's bunny the morning after they fired Jim Comey for, again, escalating the Russia investigation. Um, the Russian uh, Instagram feed featured fo- uh, featured uh, photos of the Russian foreign minister visiting the president in the White House. It was uh, truly uh, a, 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 that's a master class in how you troll right there. Like, and well done. <laughs> And historic and historic troll. So, all right, well, this brings us to the end of our first segment. When we come back, we are going to talk healthcare. It happened about a week ago, but it's still really fucking important. So, we'll be back. Right now, this podcast is called Insert Name Here because neither Ian nor I could come up with a good one on the <clears throat> walk over here from lunch. Politically transmitted diseases. It's not. No. But if you have an idea for what we should call our podcast, you can tweet it at Ian 
at woke since 84 at woke since 84 and you know we, why you know why i selected that as my twitter handle woke since 85 was taken <laughs> God damn it <laughs> And we're back. So we wanted to, even though this happened uh, the week before, um, and we were recording this on Saturday, May 13th, 2017, um, we wanted to talk about the health care bill that passed through the House of Representatives in a little segment that I call Healthcare Schmelthcare. You know, we thought we thought that the GOP House, quote unquote, repeal and replace bill was dead when the CBO scored it as functionally taking away health insurance for 24 million Americans. So how did they fix this? Scott, do you have any ideas? Well, let's start there. First, let's just recap what happened here. Um, there was a health care bill and a preliminary Trump care bill that the Republicans put forward on the in the in the House of Representatives where they have a majority to basically try to railroad it through. And what they discovered was it was so controversial and people in districts reacted so poorly that a bunch of the Republicans came to the speaker of the house, the guy in charge, Paul Ryan, and basically said, we, we can't vote for this. Paul Ryan, your, your job as speaker is to make sure that you put a bill on the floor and it passes. That's sort of, you're, you're a traffic cop. So you had to kill it. And part of the reason, Ian, like you mentioned was, what's called a CBO score. And this is a, what it is is basically it's an audit done by the congressional budget office. Um, and nonpartisan, they are the nonpartisan accountants. Like yeah. that is their whole job. They are chartered independently of Congress and math, their whole math thing isn't partisan. Right. And their whole thing is you give them a bill, they do an audit, they come back and they say, here's the price tag, the CBO. So, and that's called scoring. The CBO score on the first Trump care was such a disaster. It was some astronomical figure. I don't even remember it. That they pulled it back, and went, so now went down like the Hindenburg. Right. So then came the second version, the the American Health Care Act, HR sixteen twenty eight, which passed the House of Representatives on May fourth. It was a similar bill to the first version with a couple of alleged fixes. Fixes, uh, fixes, yes. as fixes. in improving. I'm assuming improving. You know, you'd the bill. Th- you'd think that, wouldn't you? You know, uh, in the end, the big improvement where they took a lot, where Republicans were taking a lot of heat in the home districts was uh, about um, pre-existing conditions. The idea that once you get sick, insurance companies like to be able to say, oh, you've been sick with the thing, so now we're just going to charge you more for everything. And I think we can all agree, like... That's shitty. Right. That's just not fair. Like, nobody goes around saying, you know what I'd really like to... Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure nobody's, like, moms wander around going, you know what would be awesome? Yeah. Breast cancer. Like, no, that's not, a, that's not a thing that happens. But let's talk about, you know, in theory, this quote-unquote fixed version still has some major problems in it. There are... Now, to be clear, we have not gotten a CBO score on the second bill. Right. Which is sort of the equivalent of, you know... Bringing home like a like a really elaborate like gold plated pinata for your birthday, and when your wife says like, "Hey, how much you pay for that?" you say, "It's a secret." It's just <laughs> it's not gonna fly. You're gonna you're gonna end up with a gold plated pinata shoved up your ass. Um, gold plated pinata. But there are still most of the fundamental problems with the Affordable Health Care Act are still there. 
cut, it completely defunds Planned Parenthood, which provides healthcare services to one in five women. Planned Parenthood's very active here in D.C. Well, there are still caps on care, meaning that your insurance company can say, oh, we'll pay for healthcare up to this dollar amount. After that, you're on your own. Right. Which doesn't impact a lot of us unless you end up with something like a rare blood disease like amyloidosis, where they have to literally remove all your blood and give you a whole new blood supply. And let me tell you, that ain't cheap. It's not exactly changing your oil. You need to be like Keith Richards to be able to afford that. Exactly. Um, you know, they, there are now, they remain what, are, um, the other thing that's there is, uh, the pre-existing condition stuff, the, you know, the Republicans claim, oh, there's some money to help people cover pre-existing conditions. It's not enough. Well, the first bill, the first bill it, had, uh, had a huge cuts to Medicaid, which is basically. And that's the big one. Which is basically the, the, <clears throat> the government insurance for very, very poor people. And right. actually we're finding a lot of working poor are qualifying for Medicaid um, and and not really surprisingly, the amount of cuts in Medicaid roughly approximates the amount of tax relief that is provided. I am shocked. Shocked. You're, you're saying we, we didn't just rob Peter to pay Paul. We robbed a really poor Peter. hardworking, poor Peter that's scraping by to make ends meet so that Paul could buy yet another yacht. I am shocked that this is a Republican agenda. Shocked. I just, I can't even fathom that. What are you, what are you, what are you going to tell me next? They want to, uh, they're, they're okay with like continuing global warming too. Uh, I just, I, I don't, I don't believe like, I, I, oh, 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 wait, I, I bet I know what you're going to tell me next. Uh, uh, that uh, they're going to put somebody in charge of the Department of Education whose entire goal is to basically end public education as we know it. That would be ridiculous, Ian. No one would do that. These are easy, cheap shots, Scott. I easy, get... cheap shots. You just don't You don't give fair hearing to the other side. Okay, first of all, I have, of course they're easy, cheap <laughs> shots. That's what I do. That's right. I I, I'm just, a, that, it, my entire existence is a masterclass at taking cheap shots at other people <laughs> and then cowering in fear when they come back at yes, me. Yes, yes. Ted Williams never let an 80 mile an hour fastball across the middle of the plate slide by. And exactly. Neither, and neither fucking will you. That's absolutely right because if there's one thing I know, I can't hit a 94 mile an hour fastball. No. So. 92 is my top. You know, so now what we have is, you know, the, the what we're seeing in a lot of areas still is an extremely negative reaction to this bill because uh, it's hurting people across the spectrum. Really, the yeah. only people who are benefiting are folks who, if they had, you know, if they got cancer, they could pay for their chemo out of pocket. And what it would mean is one fewer vacation to Malta. This year. You mean, yeah, so rich people. Right. Basically. You know, the Paris Hiltons of the world. But yeah. for the rest of us, this and, is bad. And I think that that's important. You know, I mean, I'd like to think that uh, our... The core of our audience is, is younger artists and, and maybe people who think that a lot of the discussions that happen here in D.C. really don't have very much of an impact. Um, this is one that does. This is one that does. First of all, I know a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, we, we always talk about the gig economy. And so the, 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 the number of people who just have that one 40-plus-hour job a year that gives you your health benefits, your retirement, your 401K – that's, you know, that's lost on a lot of people. Right. And so for a lot of people, this type of portable health care, portable and affordable health care is really, really important. Um, and that's really in danger of being gone. Just, and, just being gone. If you're right. somebody who makes 25 grand a year, 
30 grand a year. Um, you know, you need some assistance to be able to afford health insurance, which is now, which is a requirement under federal law. And, you know, and, and, and that is really in danger of being gone for a lot of people. And I'm sure we all have the crazy uncle who sits there and says, well, now that's absurd. You know, anyone can get care. They just need to go to the emergency room. Well, uh, you know, Ian, you and I were talking earlier. I never really hear a whole lot about that emergency room ongoing chemotherapy. That's not a thing. You know, you don't hear about emergency room. Dialysis. Right. Or physical therapy because you were in a car wreck and your knee doesn't work right anymore. You know, this, the, the, you know, look. Well, we're definitely, look, it's a shitty bill. It's a shitty ass bill. It is. We're seeing a lot of activism at the grassroots. We're seeing a lot of people go to their representatives' town halls. We're seeing tremendous video come out of these town halls of people saying, look, it's not about Democrat and Republican. It's about my fucking health care and right. my kids' health care. And what what are you guys doing? You, you don't even know what's in this bill. You're just voting along with Paul Ryan because he's got a hard-on for this. You, you're not even thinking about how this affects. I mean, when you talk about 24 million people, there are 435 congressional districts. A lot of them live in your district, even if you are the deepest red, dis, you know, Republican uh, uh, representative from Kansas or rural Alabama. There are people in your district who are benefiting from this law, and you are essentially taking that benefit away. You are voting to take that benefit away. We're still only at about half time of the process. That's exactly right. The, the next thing that happens is now yeah. a version needs to be, you know, a version of this needs to go through the Senate. And the Senate has already said, well, we're going to we're going to start this over and then very carefully appointed 10 white Republican yeah, men. To I was about to say, I was about to say a lot of people, a lot of people took, a lot of people took Sometimes great, the jokes just write themselves. A lot of liberals took great comfort in the Senate basically saying, we're going to rip up the house bill and start from scratch as though that was a good thing. I don't see that as a good thing. There are plenty of dipshit <laughs> Republican senators. The, the dipshits are not all just in the house. I mean, it, it's a good thing to the argument that like, could they get it worse? The problem is, is that the way the Republican team in the Senate got together is it almost seems like they said, hey, fellas, see if we can make this worse, which like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, OK, Ted, good on you. You want to you want to go for you want to swing for the fences? Like, Ted, all right. Ted Cruz is uh, part of this working group. That's oh, working that's on the bill. That's reassuring. So that should go Ted, exceedingly. Well. You mean do you mean noted Canadian Ted Cruz? Uh, you know, flyer of the Maple Leaf flag, Ted Cruz. Yes. Lion Ted. It, it, it's just Lion Ted. it's just a damn shame how how do you his you wife know, his wife is very attractive though you know you mentioned paul ryan sort of going after this and how big do you think his eyes got when he sort of realized like oh my god i'm gonna be able to get everything i want at long last <laughs> we're gonna invalidate the united states government just give money back to rich people and i'm going to be awesome well right after the election i remember like it, it, it this was the moment i think that it hit me was when paul ryan had like his first post-election uh uh press conference and this motherfucker had the shit eatingest grin I have ever seen. Like, normally his ears take up about fifty percent of his head mass, but like they do. If you if his you grin is he things, had he, could he was sail to like you could sail to South America. He was ear to ear with that shit eating grin. And I remember he goes, "Welcome to the era of unified Republican government," and I just about vomited. But okay, Paul. Hey, man, you're digging your own grave on this stuff. That's terrific. 
the good thing is the good thing is that I always kind of tell people, you know, I'm pretty sure if the Democrats have their way, they'd fuck things up. But I am dead fucking positive that when Republicans have their way, they fuck things up. Well, and they're starting to fuck things up. And when we come back, what we'll do is we'll talk a little bit about once these things get fucked up, how we can actually take action to fix them. You're listening to Insert. Your Monday is already an exercise in agony and misery. It's totally shitty. Make it worse by listening to our podcast every Monday when it drops. We promise to ruin your day. Well, in fact, we'll take it just from craptacular all the way to just a whole new level of terrible. Kind of like Ian's hair. All right, we're back. So I like to call this segment, and I literally just came up with this, because I saw one killer Mike on Bill Maher last night, and he had like, as he, you know, as I guess he's a rapper, so he has that ability to have that snappy one line, and he said, you know, the thing people in America need to do, get up off their ass, plan, plot, strategize, organize, mobilize. So that's what we're going to do. You took my thing. Yeah, I did. God damn. Good stuff right there. He tells me throughout the break, no, that's garbage. You're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing the reggae horn. We're not, fuck that. Yep. Yeah, first it's, chance he gets. Yes. It's the kind of thing. <laughs> so what was Killer Mike's point last night on Bill Maher? Get off your ass and quit bitching about how shitty things are and find ways to help. Um, I, you know, in my sort of everyday practice, I get a chance to represent undocumented immigrants in immigration proceedings. These are people who face deportation and, um, you know, yes, I'll be the first to concede. There are bad hombres out there, but uh, there's also a lot of just people working hard trying to feed their families and families who love each other and care about each other and have a life here that kids go to school here. They're your neighbors. They're the people you see at the mall. They're the people you see at the store. They're the people working in the kitchen. When you go to Applebee's and have dinner, what percentage of your client load would you say uh, qualify as quote unquote bad hombres? (laughs) Uh, Does it even reach 1%? It's, Probably it's more than zero, less than five. Let's just say that. So people, you... people who people who I sit there and I say, I'm, I, I will also say though there is also times when I there's there's, you know there are certainly cases I would not take, um, just on principle. But mm-hmm. um, we're not going to get into a dissertation about the law. Basically, my whole point here is that you know I get an opportunity to sort of like bury my head in my work and realize that I'm in my own way. Being a part of the resistance, the you know the, the 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 system is so skewed against immigrants. It's very skewed against. Well, I mean, it's always skewed against poor people. It's skewed against minorities. It is skewed against you know a lot of people. And so you know, you get to fight against that system, and that's you know my small way of being a part of the resistance. 
but there's other ways. You know, not everybody's yeah, there are doing lots of ways. To not do everybody's existence. not everybody's doing. Uh, uh, you know what I'm doing, and and. But I think Ian, your point is too is that there's what when it comes to you know helping to you know sort of fight back against a spectacularly bad leadership from the White House right now, it is one thing to retweet a comment or uh, uh, you know I don't know do a podcast and yell about the Affordable Health Care Act for 12 minutes or uh, American Health Care Act for 12 minutes or things like that. But there are also things you can actually, there's actual actions you can take yeah. that create legitimate change and, and like legitimately do things. Yeah. Can you give us some examples? Sure. There's a, uh, there's a site called swingleft.org. Swingleft.org. Uh, that's exactly how you would imagine it was spelled. Swingleft.org. Um, and basically what you can do is they will point you to the nearest swing district so that even if, if you're in a swing district, obviously that's your nearest swing district. Ta-da! But, but if you live in, let's say, the District of Columbia, which is not so much a swing district. Yeah, even, what is the, what's the closest swing district? So here? the closest swing district is, and this is pretty much for the entire DMV because there's mostly Democrats in and around the DMV. Uh, but the one swing district that is closest to, as I said, the entire DMV is the Virginia 10th, currently being held by Barbara Comstock. Scenic Loudoun County. So it's out past Dulles. Yes. And apparently she won by only 23,000 votes in 2016. So she won by less than 6%. Yes. Um, and as, as Scott mentioned, the district encompass, encompasses parts of Loudoun. Also, it looks like a few parts of Fairfax. It does. Um, it has some of the edge of Fairfax. It has a heavy right. piece of Loudoun. It is historically, it's been one of these districts that has been kind of dangerously moderate and always held by a Republican who generally kind of keeps their head down on social issues. Right. Because it tends to be, you know, the it's, it's a lot of affluent overeducated white people um, <laughs> who, you know, have professional jobs in the city and are driving down here every day and things like that. But they retreat out into the suburbs at night because, you know, for whatever reason that that's where they want to live. And yep. so, um, and it's a very interesting part. It's it's a very interesting part of the state because Ian, you and I were talking earlier, you know, part of what's happened is it's almost like watching the tide come in on a beach. Like Democratic votes move a little bit further into that district every year. There's like an election where you see like one little thing flips or one race gets a lot closer, you know, for a, someone like Barbara Comstock running in a seat like this or in other seats where say Hillary Clinton beat uh, you know, beat Donald Trump. For instance, the sixth congressional district in Georgia, the one down north of Atlanta that just had a special election. And, you know, the Democrat's going to probably lose the runoff because it's hard to win a runoff. He's running special. his ass off. He is. He. I see what you did there. I got uh, that. That's a that's, uh, uh, hat tip to... Very punny. Pod save yep. the world. Um, but, you know, these are the kinds of districts that... You know, it, there's a lot of things that go into winning an election, right? You yeah. have to have money, you have to be charismatic, you have to do all these things. But a big piece of it, too, is the volunteer district. support. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And if you go to swingleft.org, you can, um, you know, put in your information and they will send you, they will tailor an email blast to you that is focused on that district. Only events that are going on in the district and, and tangible ways that you can get out and help. Um, uh, another one... Well, actually, before we move on to the other one, I just 
Don't you know Barbara Comstock? I do know Barbara Comstock. Am it, I am I bringing is, up am I bringing up raw sensitive feelings? That she you knows have? what she did. No, Barbara. Uh, in my <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Comstock in my in my first job uh, here in uh, almost twenty years ago, I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, work uh, in the research shop of the Democratic National Committee. Barbara Comstock was the research director of the Republican National Committee. So let's not kid ourselves here. Barbara Com like Barbara Comstock has all the business being in Congress that like I do. And Ian, I think you can attest I have basically zero. Zero, zero business. business. Zero. It's it's like unfortunate. Zero. <laughs> you leave Rob Lowe out of this, okay? <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it it's it, she it, that is not a woman that cares about anything except yeah. I mean, and admittedly, this is my own personal bias, but I don't believe Barbara Comstock cares about anything except what the next rung up the ladder is for her so she can be important and push people around. I think she's just a jerk. Wow. <laughs> okay. Hot takes. Just scorching. That's right. Step back from your uh, your earbuds, folks. It's a little heat coming at you. Wow. Wow. Yes. So listen, in that Virginia 10th, and also if you if you go to swingleft.org and you actually see how the how it's drawn, it is the textbook pictorial definition of a gerrymandered district just just check it out it's like a it's like a chicken with a neck that's too long and skinny and and the head's too big so it can't hold up the head and so the head is like sticking down and and dragging on the ground this is a vivid metaphor it's pretty vivid yeah it's a metaphor there is going to be a democratic primary there is going to be a democratic primary in this district whether you are whether you are uh, you know, whether you're with Hillary, whether you're a Bernie cat, there's likely to be, in fact, I, I there's a huge field, isn't yeah, there? No, there's in, like in the Dem I, primary. There's like a dozen people running out there. Look, One of them is. There's likely somebody who's going to be in the primary who yeah. will try to co-opt the Bernie space. They, they, you know, do, do, do your research on these people, find somebody that you can support and then go out and go and work for this person. And then if your person loses, go work for the next person who's still, in the race until you finally get down to the last person who's going to run against Barbara Comstock in November 2018 and work for that person. Let's talk and, a little bit about what it means to to like when you say work for someone, you know, there are lots of ways to be involved in the campaign. And I can tell you somebody who's run campaigns and worked in them in a long time. The big thing that matters to us and that we we know from experience and from numbers and research, the thing that actually leads to winning is an activity that you do where you physically walk into a campaign office. Whether right. you are doing the going out and knocking on doors, which I will reassure you right now, we all hate. It's exhausting. It's miserable. And so has been this first like hundred and however many days of the uh, Trump administration already. And we have many, many more to go. 110 days, 14 hours. Not that you're 36 counting. seconds. That's, that's, all just, that's all just made up. Okay, that's 40 seconds, 41, 42. But, we just made up our 45 seconds. But not, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, whether it's doing things like that, whether it's making phone calls, the, it, the thing to remember here is, you know, yeah, you want to be the person that puts up more yard signs in your house than curtains? Like, okay, but I can tell you, you know, an old joke among all campaign people is yard signs don't vote. What we need to be doing is making sure that you're getting information to people. These are pearls of wisdom, by the way. You're that's, getting guard right. signs. Do not vote. Yeah, you you want a fun also... story about this? Here, I'll give you one. I, I do. Mean, I do want to hear. A friend story. of mine uh, has run campaigns for years, and he said his retirement plan is he's going to buy the URL yardsignsdon'tvote.com, and he's going to just put up a PO box on it, 
and he's going to tell campaign managers, if you send me a dollar, I will send you two pages of information about proving that yard signs are like a worthless investment. So his plan is after the first election that he does this to buy his own island. And then after the second election, he's probably going to have to buy a private submarine to get to the island. But until, it's going to be until, until, until the yard Trump sign, outlines. the yard sign people find out. Big yard sign comes. Boom. Forward. Yep. Big when yard. Big, sign. When big yard sign gets motivated, you got to just stay the fuck out of the way. Let me also just make one last really quick uh, suggestion. Mm-hmm. Town halls. Get to town halls. If you are in a Republican district, get to your and, and, and your guy is actually non-cowardly enough to hold a town hall. Get to his town hall. Confront him. Ask him what he's doing. Ask him why he's doing what he's doing and make him defend his vote. Make him or her defend uh, that vote. And if you and even if you don't live in that district, you can go. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't you don't vote in this district. You don't belong here. We don't have to listen to your voice. Whatever these people do, whether they're in you, whether they're your district or not. It matters to you. OK, Barbara Comstock is not my congressperson, but you know what? If she wants to hold a town hall, I'll be there. And I got some questions for her because her vote, even though it's not she's not my congressperson, her vote impacts me. And the reason this is important, Ian, in two, is because it's not just that you're showing up and putting the shot across their bow that they need to be different. What happens at these events is t- reporters come, yes. TV cameras come, and they get the video. video. And what happens more often than not, you, you see one every week. Some congressperson gets confronted with a tough question and they pick a fight or they run away. And that's the stuff that gets on you the know, news. Scott, or they say poor people you? don't deserve help. Right. Or they say something stupid. <laughs> and really, these are the things really that campaigns can use inside baseball. to later win elections. I guess we're up against really. the, we're up against a bump here. So we'll be back it's in a second to talk about the favorite things that a, we saw this week. What's a drop? I don't. I guess that's what we're doing. Right but but I'm not. Really, but I'm not doing anything right now. I'm asking mm-hmm. you what a drop is. This is just like what we're doing. But, but what do you mean what we're doing? What we're doing you, is are we're you talking, suggesting that we're not doing anything. We're doing something. I obviously. Don't, I mean, I don't. I, <laughs> I agree to disagree on that particular I mean, point. Your heart is beating. Presumably, there's brain waves okay. going in your head. Okay. First something, of all, things are happening. First of all, we all know I don't have a heart. It's just a cold black piece of coal that I'm going to someday rip out and throw at the head of my father. <laughs> <laughs> I win! And we are back. So, we like to end our show because this is, I mean, I guess, I'm talking like we've done this before. This is our first show. We're going to be ending our shows with... Going to be. My favorite thing that I saw this week. My favorite thing I saw this week. That that is not an echo. That is actually Scott Remley Nasty. doing something a little <laughs> creepy. But <laughs> it's the story of my life. My favorite thing that I saw this week, and I'm inspired. I'm inspired by Angela Rye. I'm sure you know Angela Rye if you're listening to this podcast. She is uh, probably don't know her from actually sitting down and watching CNN, but you have probably seen her videos going around Facebook, Twitter the grams whatever um she is a uh, uh she's a, a political analyst uh, a lawyer really smart really smart really smart lady and um and she is funny as fuck she is hilarious hilarious i am not going to do her justice but i was inspired when i read this story uh this week about michelle obama 
coming out of the shell, back in the public eye, back in the spotlight, uh, talking, and even just the mild, mild shade that she threw at Republicans and at Trump. What did she say? Warmed, warmed my heart. What did she say? Just, just, just actually, just... Y'all need to... I know this is not a visual medium, but Ian right now is basically, his eyes are closed in a near total bliss. I need a moment. <laughs> we're just, we're going to give him a moment. I need a little moment. Talk amongst yourselves. So Michelle Obama uh, was at a... a um, at a function in Washington where she ended up talking, she's at the annual summit of the Partnership for a Healthier America. As we all know, healthy eating, healthy living is... Is that just a bunch of moms yelling at us? Kind of, kind of an important thing to her. And, and so I just want to read some quotes of things that she said. Again, this is like the mildest shade, but she delivers it so perfectly, and I'm not going to do it justice. You really should find the video, but she says, you know, you have to stop and think. Why don't you want our kids to have good food at school? What is wrong with you, and why is that a partisan issue? Um, you know, why would you be that political? <laughs> and later on, she says, moms, think about this. I don't care what state you live in. Take me out of the equation. Like me, don't like me. But think about why someone is okay with your kids eating crap. That's... Again, so mild. Former first lady. I mean, this is not exactly, uh, uh, it's not exactly Angela Rye saying, boy, bye. You think she'll, uh, you think she'll run for office? Why not? She's too smart. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, my favorite thing I saw this week is in somewhat similar vein to that, uh, is, uh, the uprising, um, the, 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 the The clap back. Yes. The clap back by the HBCU system, the historically black colleges and universities, Howard university is one of them. Um, first by the graduate fighting bison, home of the fighting bison. Uh, first, by the class of 2017 of Bethune-Cookman University, who, while being addressed by your Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, booed her so roundly and lustily that they had to be <laughs> scolded by their by their own school administration. Good on you. This video is so sick. You really have to check it out. It's so beautiful. It's it so is. beautiful. Because the president of the college, who apparently is like a foot and a half shorter than Betsy DeVos, comes up in the middle of her speech and is like, Honey, honey, just step aside for a second. And starts chiding the students <laughs> about how he's going to mail their degree hey, and diplomas. Man. It's like the last thing that any administrator has over the graduates. It's the last shred of control that they have over the kids is, I'm going to mail your diploma. You're going to walk out of here with nothing, kid. Oh, God forbid, not a piece of paper in the mail. And so what did those kids do? Did they stop? They were quiet for a moment, and then what happened? He stepped away from the mic, and Betsy DeVos stepped back up, and they stepped back into it. It was outstanding. And we should post that to the uh, Facebook for One Love Massive this week. It is a great video. We will get that done. Uh, Building on that, too, uh, Texas Southern University in scenic Houston, Texas, home of the Tigers. Uh, similarly, uh, rescinded their commencement address offer to Texas U.S. Senator John Cornyn, basically for the same reasons, pretty much giving them the spectacular double deuce middle finger. I am so proud, uh, to see this happening. It's fantastic. Um, we are out of time and that's all we have for this week. Uh, if you have an idea for what we should, uh, what anybody you'd like to hear us talk to who might know what the hell they're doing. Uh, you can tweet at us. Uh, this week we don't have a Twitter, but next week we will. In the meantime, you can tweet at us. I'm I'm at woke since eighty four. At woke since eighty four. There you go. 
And if you have an idea for the name of this podcast, why don't you tweet at it, tweet it at us as well at uh, woke since eighty four. Remember, it has to beat politically transmitted diseases, though. It has to be better than that. So, right. like, don't don't give us your bullshit. You so, got to come strong because politically transmitted diseases is fucking strong. It's in the running. I think we we definitely have to consider it. Have to consider it. Politically transmitted diseases. No. Oh, whatever. No. Uh, the current office pool for the name is now up to uh, sixty one hundred dollars. So uh, you too can uh, get your shot at that. Uh, in the meantime, who's, who's, who's fronting this? Does Molly know about this? Is this like on the One Love Massive? You know, I I don't know, but that's an interesting account? question. Uh, thanks to One Love Massive, uh, the collective that's helping us broadcast this. Uh, you can learn more about them at onelovemassive.com. That's O-N-E, one, lovemassive.com. You can find them on Facebook at One Love Massive DC or uh, on the Twitter at One Love Massive. They are DC as fuck. Thank you also to our producer, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Mike, his self, who's here. Uh, I'm Scott Remling. He's Ian Taranji. I'm we'll Ian Taranji. Be, and we'll be back next week. Thanks. Thanks.